0: A few days ago, I had the good fortune to hear Michelle Obama speak at Inbound, a marketing conference that attracts over 20,000 people. I had not expected to be in that room, as I had not originally signed up for the event, but it was in my hometown of Boston, so I decided to plan a dinner for a few people I knew who'd be at the event. One of the people I invited was someone I originally met at a conference this past July, actually that's who arranged for me to receive a complimentary ticket to Inbound. Yep, I got to hear Michelle Obama speak because I talked to a stranger at a dessert reception at a conference in July, stayed in touch over the next few months, and then invited this new friend to a dinner I was hosting when she came to town for yet another conference. Are you following along? I just wanted to share one small story of how networking by building relationships can lead to great things things you could not have even conceived of hoping for. Yeah, Michelle was just as awesome as you would have imagined. And yes, we're on a first-tained maces now, and we hugged and took selfies. No, not at all, but she was really awesome. Are you going to any conferences this fall? Learn how to take advantage of these small networking moments by reading my best-selling business book, Croissants Versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences, Purchase it at robbysamuels.com forward slash bookstore and receive all the book's bonuses, including the free audiobook. On the Schmooze is proud to be a headliner on C-Suite Radio, which is part of the C-Suite Network, a network of a half million C-level executives. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest is a storyteller whose career began at age 12 when she scored her first paid writing gig. Her writing career has only gained momentum since, with regular contributions to Inc., Entrepreneur, and Huffington Post. She's also no stranger to radio and television. Her work has been featured on CNN, ABC, CBC, the New York Times, Reader's Digest, just to name a few. She's also a keynote speaker, TV personality, and host of her own podcast. I mention all of her success getting visibility through different media channels because through her course, Baby Got Booked. She teaches others how to grab the attention of a busy producer, editor, blogger, or podcaster, and make an audience fall in love with you. So much of what she shares and how she built her business is about relationship building that I had to have her on On The Schmooze. I've had the good fortune of meeting her in person, so I can also confirm that her approachable and fun personality is who she is offstage as well as on. Please join me in welcoming Gita Ndkarni.
1: Thank you, Robbie. It's so fun to be here.
0: Gita, thank you so much for joining me for your office in Montreal. So I want to just jump right in. I know my audience is going to be curious to hear a little bit more about you and your day-to-day. This is a podcast about leadership and building great networks. So tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead?
1: That's a great question. So what does leadership mean to me? I, I truly believe that everybody has the ability to lead. Everybody is a leader, in their own way. And, you know, some people are sort of rah-rah and stand at the front of the room and lead that way. And some people have a much quieter style of leadership and lead from the back of the room. And any and all of it is extremely valuable. We need all of the... the all of those leaders to sort of knit together a fabric so that we can all grow together. And I, I Leadership is something that I've, I've really gotten very, very interested in uh, this past year, especially because when I first launched my company, literally we're, at this recording, we're recording this on the third birthday wow. of Baby Got Booked. I know. And when I first launched this company, this was really just all about, okay, um, how do I create a job? Like, oh, oh my God, I only know how to do one thing. I know how to tell stories. I know how to... F- Find audiences like that's pretty much all they know how to do. I'm kind of useless at everything else, so I'm like, I really freaking hope I can monetize this because I don't ever want to go back to a nine to five because I had a a little baby and I could not imagine, um, you know, having somebody else raise him fifty hours a week while I went and built someone else's dream. So back in the day, I. I didn't have a clear sense of my purpose. It was much more practical. It was much more, all right, how do I replace the paycheck and how do I do what I love? So those two things were always front and center. Uh, but, you know, when people have a conversation about purpose, when people have a conversation about vision, I, those pieces were still fuzzy for me. And it's only in the last year, I'd say, where um, I take a business coaching program called Strategic Coach, which helps, you know, develop my leadership abilities and uh, build a really strong team and so on and so forth. I am a big believer that you don't use people to develop companies. You use companies to develop people. I love that. Yeah and the more i grow into myself the more i realize how freaking exciting it is to unlock this power in other people it's just so much fun and i'm on the cusp of launching a completely new project that has nothing to do with what i've always done in my life it's it's an apparel company i know nothing about apparel companies but i've realized that what i was put on earth to do is to make to help people feel more possible.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a key piece of leadership is finding what's innate in people and helping them bring it out. Exactly. Is, Is there somebody who noticed that within you or, or are, is there an early memory you have of, of maybe stepping into leadership opportunities?
1: Well, one thing that my dad did, um, My dad's a great leader. My mom's a great leader, too. So uh, I've been very lucky to have been raised by uh, folks who refused to have low standards and refused to allow me to cave to, uh, but I don't feel like doing that. Or I don't, you know, that doesn't, I hate that. So, for example, the whole reason that I've been a paid journalist since I was 12 years old is not because I'm a genius, I wish. It's not because, you know, I'm some kind of savant. It's because I almost flunked English language when I was 10. And so I basically brought my report card into my dad's study. And this is in Mumbai. So I grew up in Mumbai where we have the British schooling system, where we have an actual entire 100-mark paper dedicated to English grammar. So essay writing and grammar and comprehension and that sort of thing. And I hated essay writing. It was my arch nemesis. And so I was like, oh, dad, you know, I scraped by by the skin of my teeth. And he was horrified that, that anyone carrying his DNA could almost flunk essay writing because this is a man who's won awards for his English because he's a journalist too. So he and my mom devised a program where my two younger sisters and I had to write three essays a week or we a couldn't week. go a week wow. during summer vacation
0: <laughs> or we
1: couldn't go out to play. And to his credit, you know, he he made it very interesting. We had, uh, each of us had our own scrapbook and we would cut images out of magazines and create fictitious characters around them. And we would do book reviews of our favorite bedtime stories and write, you know, reports on family outings and that sort of thing. And that my dad would sit and correct it in an age appropriate way and say, well, this headline's a little sloppy or, you know, this body copy didn't connect up. The body doesn't connect up to the conclusion. Here's how you make it go full circle. Here's how a metaphor works. Here's the difference between a metaphor and a simile, blah, blah, blah. By the end of that summer, I had fallen so madly in love with this thing that I used to hate. It's so wow. interesting. It's so yeah. interesting that they, they basically pushed me through that resistance because sometimes we're resistant to the very thing inside ourselves that is the most magic because it, it contains the most fear,
0: mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I'm always curious now when I feel great resistance to something, I, I approach it not with blame. I approach it not with, um, you know, anger. I, I try to approach it as much as possible with curiosity. So when I feel fear or when I feel resistance, I'm like, huh, interesting. Why are you so triggered by this, huh? Like, what's, what, what's up with that?
0: So that Where must does also that help from? you when you're working with other people and you sense their resistance, you could really empathize, but you're also not willing to let them off the hook because you Absolutely. know that when someone pushed you to push through, like you like it you said magic. You, you fell in love with this thing that had been previously super scary and yeah i think when we're on the edge of greatness that that's that is scary and it is so that's how you ended up at 12 years old submitting your first piece and
1: yeah, pitching internationally and, you know, making money at it. And I thought, yeah, I'm rich. I got, I remember my first paycheck was 112 dirhams, which I think works at about $35, something like that. But <laughs> it was, awesome. in ru- but it was converted to rupees, which is a lot more. And I, at 12, I was like, Whoa, I'm rolling in it. This is awesome. Yeah. And yeah. And that's a lot
0: of snacks. I mean, that's it's a lot <laughs> you, of, yeah. <laughs> at 12, what are you spending money on? <laughs> that's exactly. a lot of whatever you're spending money on at 12. That's a lot. That's awesome. What encouragement that you got early on to really step through that and to see what's possible within you. Um, where did you, like, do you, did you find other opportunities as you went on and through, you know, beyond grade school into high school and college, like in your first jobs, were you the kind of person who always sort of, found yourself in a leadership role or people sort of look to you that way? Or were you more behind the scenes kind of getting things done?
1: That's a really great question. So the thing is, I've been writing since I was 10, but I was been on stage since I was three. And I think my parents recognized that I have a front of the room personality. I have, <laughs> you know, I enjoy.
0: I would second that. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: it, it's it is what it is, right? There's not, it's not better or worse than anything else, as long as you fully own it and work with it. And um, there, there have been phases in my life where it has made me feel when I've not been fully myself, where I've felt ashamed of how much I enjoy getting up there and talking, you know, one to many, and and seeing other people's eyes light up and an, an idea from my head sort of teleports itself into their heads. That's, that's my favorite thing in the whole world. Uh, but there have been times when I've not been as secure in my own, in my own story, in myself, where, you know, I've let other people be like, well, you just like the limelight. You're just a big fat attention hog, blah, 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 you know? So it comes with, it comes with that. But if you ask me, Um, You asked me, I think, where did I get other opportunities to develop? So one thing my parents did again that I'm so grateful for is they recognized in me this ability to hold a room. And they threw me in every class you could possibly imagine to develop this ability from a number of different angles. And this is something I fully intend to do with my own kids because my son is very much like this, um, my five-year-old. And so I did drama and elocution classes. I did. I was a professional jazz ballet dancer, no joke. I've been one of those like, hilarious background dancers in Bollywood films, you know, dancing around trees in the back. <laughs> I swear to God, I've actually done that in college. This was one of the, the ways that I made money on the side. Other people work at cafes. I just danced in Bollywood movies. But um, yeah, I had lots of opportunities to develop my presence. Mm and tell stories in different ways. And I'm very grateful for that.
0: You know, you're reminding me, um, I don't think I've talked about this on this podcast. My my mom um, was teaching me how to speak in front of a room when I was seven, because my sister uh, had a bat mitzvah and she's six years older, she's 13, right? And I had to give some sort of talk. I have no idea what the talk was on, but my mother, I was not a shy. I've never been accused of being a shy wallflower <laughs> either. <laughs> But my mother, like, helped me think about how to look at three different people in the room, look down the paper, look at the next sentence, look up, say the sentence, look look at the three people. look. I mean, i was sure I looked very automated, like, not smooth because <laughs> I was seven. I could just imagine, like, look down, memorize, look up, look at the three people, say the line, you know, look down. But people were blown away because I wasn't, like, I wasn't nervous about being in front of people. Like, that part didn't bother me. It was just, like, getting through this talk. and to have someone recognize that in you and coach you. My mother also um, made this remark early on. Johnny Carson was very popular when I was growing up and he Mm. had this particular English accent, like this, this sort of easy to understand, you know, Midwest accent. And she said, you know, and I, I grew up in New York. So (laughs) she said, you need to sound like that. You need to enunciate because people need to, you need to be able to communicate. And I'm like 12, (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, it's like really, it's, it's important and it stays with you when people push you to to see your greatness.
1: Yes. I so agree. And this actually ties in with um, that leadership question and the question of vision and, and purpose, right? So I, I mentioned how I struggled with this idea of purpose. I'm like, well, my purpose is to tell stories, but that's it's it's easier to be a follower. It's easier to be nervous. It's easier to be insecure when your purpose is all about you. And that's what I've realized in my journey is for the longest time, th- there was a piece of me that wasn't fully developed and therefore everything that I did was like, well, I need to make this look good. I need to look good doing it. And I need to, you know, like I need to do, do, deliver value. And but, like, it was coming from the right place, but I just wasn't there yet. It was a little bit like, look down at your paper, look up. It's, It was that I was building that skill. There's nothing wrong with that. And so I, I want to put that out there because I think sometimes when we listen to the Oprah's of the world and the Sarah Blakely's and the Richard Branson's and they talk about purpose, it just feels so freaking unattainable because They've been through this process. They, they've had that paper in their hands. They've looked down. They've made mistakes. They've fallen off stage. They've done all of it. And they've gotten to a point where they are so, and I love this expression, Oprah made me really, help me really rethink it. They are so full of themselves, not in a bad way, in the best way possible. They are so filled up with, the, with joy and love and empathy and compassion that it is no longer about them it starts to become about, okay, well, what can I really do for other people? How mm. can I fully show up in a way that is bigger than me?
0: I and love I'm, that. Wow. And I'm
1: only just stepping into this. And it is blowing my ever-loving mind because it is just as magical for me as it is for everybody that I will now serve.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's quite magic. And it all the fear gets burnt away because now – when I'm, you know, I'm talking about this apparel company that I want to build, I know nothing about apparel. I've never done this before. There are fixed costs and hidden costs and God <laughs> only knows why, right? And it's easy to rip off and there are lots of reasons that this should fail. There are lots of reasons why I should be scared. There are lots of reasons why this won't work. And yet, what I'm filled with most, more than anything is excitement. And then when I talk to people about it, they get excited. They want to be part of it. Collaborators have been crawling out of the woodwork, wanting to be involved, wanting to be a part of the story because it really feels like we are writing a story together Mm. to create a movement.
0: I love that you found a way to translate what you do into this more physical form. Like apparel is this commodity kind of space, but you're still bringing in storytelling. Yes. Um, My background is is fundraising. And Mm. I also teach people, How to get past the fear of asking. And there's a common phrase um, attributed to anonymous. So if you ever want to be inspired, just look up anonymous quotes on the internet. Amazing. Good idea. Whoever Anonymous is, they did a lot of really good writing. (laughs) So, but the quote is, um, you know, kick yourself out of the way and let the cause talk. Mm. Now, when you're doing a, a charitable or cause related marketing, then people were like, okay, I could see that. But when you're doing your own, when you're an entrepreneur, people get all wrapped up in it. Or if you're, um, if you're doing a doc, if you're like a documentarian or, you know, you're making a movie or something. And I still say, you know what, the thing that you're creating is of its, if you believe that it is of such value, then you, it's not about you. So like I just released a book. And so Mm. by the time this airs, this has been out now for a few months. It's, Already been a huge success. It's hit number one in number several categories. It's in the top 20 for 10 categories. It's been this wild success. And part of it is that I believed the value of the book and that I had to kick myself out of the way and let the book shine. Right. And that is being in the best way possible, full of yourself. And I love this phrase.
1: Right? It's such a great (laughs) reframe. And I, you know, I want to say something here because again. I'll bet you there's people listening thinking, well, I, you know, how the hell do I work up to that level of belief? How do you, how do you create that? And I will say this: it takes practice. Nobody is, very few people, if any, are born with it. It it requires you to fall and skin your knees and get up and doubt yourself and go on anyway and make mistakes and be full of yourself in the not good way. And you know, have your butt handed to you on a platter because life is like that it requires you to go through all of that um there's a great quote from Rumi uh, which says you know you you can't I'm gonna completely wreck this now because I don't have it in front of me but the equivalent it, it basically to sum it up says you can't you can't complain about all the bumps because how else would you be polished mm because it's all the bumps that Mm -hmm. polish you. So Mm -hmm. I just want to say that the belief piece, it is beyond crucial. That's what I've realized is the way that I've started to really sort of ramp up and create exponential growth, both personally and the more exponential growth I create for myself as a human being, the more I notice it is reflected in my business and everything that I touch. It really all begins with you. It really all begins with developing yourself People ultimately want you. They want a piece of the magic that you bring. And you're absolutely right that, um, you know, uh, w- somebody that really inspires me is uh, Sarah Blakely, who's the youngest self-made billionaire. She created Spanx, which is you know, shape- if you're a woman, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're a guy, you're like, what the hell did she just say? Um, this is shapewear, so it's like uh, hosiery or pantyhose that makes you look really smooth under your clothing. At bumps. <laughs> yes, it bumps. It yes, it. it's smooth. It, it, yeah, she has a great quote where she's just like, What's your exit strategy? she's like, My exit strategy is to look good leaving the room. Uh, you know, because she had no idea. And she built this company, this billion dollar company from scratch with five grand. And when you look at her story, it all boils down to her absolute and utter and unreasonable belief. I really believe that reasonable is for suckers. If I ever write a book about this, it's that's what the title is going to be is reason, reasonable. is for suckers because it, nobody does anything amazing by being reasonable. So she had this ridiculous belief where she was just like, okay, I have this. I, I cut, she cut the feet off of pantyhose. She put them on and she's like, Oh my God, this makes me look so good in my white pants someone needs to make this. And everywhere she went, everybody in the know, all the hosiery manufacturers were like, oh, listen, hosiery is on the way out. Nobody wears pantyhose anymore. Like women just go bare legged, la la la. There's no money in this. Nobody wanted to manufacture it for her. She couldn't afford a patent lawyer. So she went to the library and created her own patent application herself, drew it with marker herself and filed it um, and she finally somebody took pity on her because she was just like listen you don't understand you have to manufacture this and the guy's like no dude you're crazy and he went home and he told his daughter about the cra- his daughters about the crazy lady he just met and they convinced him to they were like no daddy you got to do it and so he was like all right I feel sorry for you and my daughters think it's a good idea fine I'll do a test run for you And she got it into Neiman Marcus by literally cold calling, picking up the phone. You talk about fear. I mean, how scary is it to call a buyer from Neiman freaking Marcus? She picked up the phone and called. And the woman was like, who are you? And she's like, look, I'll fly down to Dallas and I'll meet with you. All I need is 15 minutes of your time. And the woman's like, all right, if you believe so much that you're willing to fly here, I'll give you 15 minutes. She shows up in the first two minutes or three minutes. She sees the woman's eyes glaze over she's like, rats, I'm losing her. Oh my God, what do I do? And so she basically, um, she says, okay, listen, I know this is irregular, but come with me, come with me. So she grabs her hand. She goes, come with me to the bathroom. Now you have to understand this woman is, her shoes match her purse, which matches her shoe, like her outfit and like everything is plaid. And she's the most beautifully put together person you could ever possibly imagine. Not the kind of person that you (laughs) grab and take to the bathroom with you. Uh, but Sarah believed. And so she took her to the bathroom. She's like, okay, stand here. I know this is crazy, but you gave me 15 minutes. I flew out here. You gave me 15 minutes. I'm holding you to it. She goes into the stall, puts on the Spanx, puts on her white pants and says, look at me. And then she goes back and she takes off the Spanx and puts on her pants and says, see the difference? Woman's like, all right, I'll give you a run. Seven stores. Sarah knew. No, no, listen, that's not even the best part. Here's the best part. Sarah knew that she was given a small, small bin at the back of the already dead hosiery section. She's like, no one's ever going to find it because they don't know to look for it she called up people that she hadn't spoken to in 15, 10, 15 years. She was like, hey, remember me, Sarah? Seventh grade, I used to sit behind you. Can you go into Neiman Marcus and ask for Spanx? It's like, oh my... She actually had a script for them to follow. She'd be like, oh my God, I've been looking for this everywhere. Thank you so much. And she would mail them checks to cover the cost of what they bought. Wow. To convince Neiman Marcus that this was worth it. And then she spent two years traveling the country, training the people who sold Spanx, how to sell it. Two years, she spent nine hours on the shop floor doing wow. it. That's belief.
0: That's belief. Exactly. What a great story. How did you right? first come across that story?
1: I don't know. I think I, I found her when she was the youngest self-made female sure. billionaire. She was on the cover of Forbes. And yeah. that's when I first heard about it. And then I just started to follow her and she's been a hugely inspirational force in my own life. Yeah, and. I, yeah, I, 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 she's still to this day, this 20 years later at this point, um, she is worth more than a billion herself. Uh, she has all these charitable organizations that she donates to. I met her a couple of weekends ago, which was a huge bucket list item for me. Wow. Right. And then she still goes to work every day. She has four children and she still goes to work every day. That is when you know you're living on purpose because you know, people say, well, if you had a million dollars in the bank, what would you do? She has a billion dollars in the She's bank. She's still
0: doing it. She's yeah. still
1: doing it. Exactly.
0: So I'm wondering, um, because you you prep people, and I know that you love helping people sort of find their inner possibility and bring mm-hmm. it to light. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they start to do it, and I, I imagine, and I, cause I've experienced this myself, when you finally get to the point where you're like, okay, to like talk about your greatness, other people then suddenly start pulling you down because they're a little nervous themselves about what they see because they, they don't know how to do it for themselves. So can yes. you talk a little bit about how, how do you manage or handle, you know, like the, the lack the of support, <laughs> yeah, the detractors who, who are, who, who see you as, even though you're filling yourself up with this amazingness, they still see yourself as just being full of yourself, period. And, um, all about you and all that. Two words,
1: airplane mode seriously, when I first launched, baby got booked. <laughs> everybody in my life, everybody who was close to me, my husband, my sisters, my dad, everybody asked me, they will, I had just been, I had just come off a, another business failure, by the way. So, you know, just in case you think that I have some kind of Midas touch, I don't. I had a sling company because I'd gotten really into baby wearing with my first. And I was like, oh my God, all moms need to know how to wrap like an African that's wrapped with a W, et cetera. And, uh, It you know it never really got past the friends and family stage, and so it bombed. And now everyone's like, "Well, you were completely convinced about that thing, and now what makes you think this is going to get off the ground?" And it was a really good question because I did not know how the how part. I truly believe is not really our business. The how part will come. The right person will show up. the The strategy will present itself, and you know, you make it something will resonate with you. It'll feel right when you're doing it. The real the part that's our job as human beings is to figure out the what, and if you can get to the why, then that you can deci- You can create if you can create that and connect to that. That's hugely, hugely powerful. So yes, you know, I had very, very little support when I first started this. This business. Everybody told me I was nuts. Nobody could really understand what I was trying to accomplish. They were like, you're a technophobe. Like, How the hell are you going to build an internet company? It's true. I'm the family Luddite. Look at me now. (laughs) Um, But I was convinced because I looked into my then two-year-old's eyes and I was like, I am going to do something that is going to make you so proud of me. And I'm going to do something that will prove to you that work is not about sacrifice. Work is not about making money and spending, you know, eight hours of your day doing something that you just get through. Work is about something that lights you up Mm. and makes a
0: difference. What a thing to share with somebody at such a young age. Yeah. Witness this.
1: And toddlers, you can't, you can't snow them, right? They, (laughs) They see through everything. So I'm like, shoot, I better freaking actually do it. Cause (laughs)
0: 'cause he's not
1: going to buy any story. I tell him if he doesn't see me actually doing it and he doesn't feel the belief in me, it's not going to work. I would go for long runs. Running is my meditation. And so I would go for long runs and I would be like, okay, I understand that success is a video success is like, as you go from success to like the second you hit a goal, you're like, yay, celebration, woohoo. And then you think you set your new goal, right? It's, it's a constant moving thing. If I make, you know, $50,000 today, woohoo, I'm successful. And then if I don't make any money for the rest of the month, am I unsuccessful? Did I fail? Like, did, you know, how does that work? Right? It's, it's just literally a snapshot in a moment that decides one or the other. And I think I realized that luckily for me at the time. So I was like, all right, this is a video. So the only way I will actually fail is if I lose faith. Because as long as I can keep the faith, it's just a matter of picking myself up any number of times until finally I'm not falling down so much anymore. So I would go on these long runs and I would say, the only only way I will fail is if I freak out. I will not freak out. The only way I will fail is if I freak (laughs) out. I will not freak out. And I had my my phone on airplane mode so no one could call me and ask me what the hell I thought I was doing because I didn't know. I didn't know. I just knew I was doing it.
0: Uh, my mantra, and I came up with it in a session years back, is uh, "I am enough, I have enough, mm. and I choose to live my life with abundance." Love that. And it really like sets me. in, the, you know, when you ever I hit that wall of like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. It's like I have everything I need. I just need to know the right questions to ask. The people yeah. will come. Mm-hmm. I think you and I share a real belief around that abundance philosophy. Absolutely. Um, I want to. I want to hear a little bit more about what you find most rewarding about the work you're doing now that you're past that initial stage now you're actually getting to work with clients they're seeking you out um, yeah. i should tell you my my uh, va looking you up to set up this uh, introduction and and she was like i want to take her course <laughs> so <laughs> anybody who's like hears anything about you they're immediately drawn in because it's like you you touched on something but tell me tell me some exciting news about like what's been so great about getting to actually work with people
1: For me, it really is about sparking joy and possibility. So as a speaker, the the thing that really excites me about speaking, and I still get butterflies. I still get, you know, super nervous. I often, right before I go up on stage, I need to take, like I feel like I need to take a nap. Like my body literally is crashing because it's like, what the hell are you? Why do you do this to us, woman? Um, And then I get up on stage I know it's going to be magic when I literally make eye contact with one other person in that room and I'm like, all right, we're talking. And now this is about you, right? And now we're just having a conversation and I am excited for the stories that I'm going to share with you because you're going to see your story in a much more possible way. There is no high that compares to that feeling of seeing somebody else's lights go on and knowing that they're going to walk out of this room so jazzed about their life I have goosebumps right now like there is nothing better in this world for me than that
0: that's a real connection with that yeah. that sort of audience of one even when you're speaking one to many of like knowing people are, are seeing themselves you have an advantage uh, over I, I would think most entrepreneurs and that your your storytelling is like so much a part of your background your history your your experience and and something we all learn, we come to learn, uh, whether it's entrepreneur, fundraising, sales, is that stories, yes. stories are what light up all the parts of the brain. People see themselves in the story. They hear the message. Data points, eh, like that yeah. in and out of the head. But you put those in a story and I think you're you're able to kind of come uh, bring that to people in a way that like other people maybe are still struggling to find their voice in it but what are some of the things that you're not so good at i mean like that that fear of <laughs> failure is always there right um but like what are the parts of the work that you do that you either struggle with or you just decided it's not for you and like and how do you overcome that part
1: it's a long list i Hope we can be. We're going to be here all day. I'm not good at lots of things. I'm actually, and this is this is an interesting thing about about success, right? It's like once you're successful. So before you're successful, everyone tells you you're nuts, and then once you're successful, every that same nuttiness about you becomes brilliant, right? So now people are like, "Wow, you're so lucky!" Like you have this this topic that's so sexy to everybody. Back in the day, before I launched it, they were like, "Who the hell's going to buy that? That's stupid." Um, same same thing, same idea, <laughs> but you know, it's what it is. Um, I'm not good at lots of things. I'll tell you what I'm not good at. Um, I suck at scheduling like, Oh my God, I, I have in, I I live on Einstein time, not Newtonian time. So I tend to cram insane amounts of crap into my day at all times. I just like, I live like toddlers eat, right? Like all over the place. It's like the food goes all over their face. They're like, I want to shampoo with this food. It's like, I feel like life for me is like that. I want to cram as much into my day, as much connection as possible into my day. So I'm telling stories, I'm listening to stories, I'm reaching out and and, and building relationships with people. And I, I really get jazzed by that. But then I tend to put way too much on my plate. I tend to sometimes start too many projects. So I have to be careful about that because I have a lot of energy and my life is built for that. So if I ever get tired or not well or whatever, then it it's insane. There's so much falls off the table. I also potentially could drive my team banana pancakes by starting too many projects and you know making too many promises and whatnot and then then they're like scrambling to kind of fill in the gaps. So one of the tools that my business coaching program strategic coach gave me that I found very, very useful is an impact filter. So it basically forces me in a very systematized way to write down Best case scenario, worst case scenario, what am I trying to accomplish? What are the actual metrics that a person outside of my head would be able to see objectively and say, all right, this project was a success or this project failed um, or whatnot. And then I can, once I write, often when I find myself in my head, it's like super clear until I start writing it on paper and then I'm like, oh, wow, I did not think this through. And sometimes a lot of ideas actually will die on paper, just like that, before I ever tell somebody else about them. And then if they pass that test, then I can hand that document over to the team to be like, hey, guys, this is what my vision is. Now add your vision. And you know, now we can turn it into a task list or you know, with right. deadlines and whatnot. So yeah, scheduling and, and time planning.
0: That's, I think that's so hard. Um, I always say I have, I have more ambition than time
1: hmm. I think we all a lot of yeah. us do.
0: Well, I think that those of us that are driven. Yes. Um, right. And particularly are not willing to be confined <laughs> to uh, traditional yes. work. And you might have your nine to five job and still have your passion that you do after work or on the weekends, night after the kids go to sleep, etc. Right. So like there's a lot of the people listening, I'm sure uh, are are balancing many different types of projects, including paid ones and ones that are just passion projects.
1: Absolutely,
0: I, I we haven't talked about this, but I'm an at home dad with a toddler and nice. one on the way. So
1: ah, congratulations! Yeah, yeah, I
0: have a, I have a nearly twenty month old at the time of this recording, and uh, one due in December. And so just trying to think about, like, how do I balance, like, my business is growing. I'm doing more and more projects. And I have all these other ideas, like you said. Yeah. I really appreciate this um, impact filter. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I usually do it is a little different um, because I'm such an outgoing extrovert. I talk to people about it for several months whenever it, yeah, it comes up mm-hmm. and kind of, like, mold and shape it as yes. I go. Me and too. then suddenly someone will say, tell me more about that, and I'll have this, like, very clear Clear, clear project plan. Yes, but I've not written a thing down. So then, at some point, I'm like, okay, time to like. So I have an online group coaching program that's uh, piloting this fall, which will be out about the time that this this releases. And I had one conversation with someone, sat down after like I've been thinking about it for you know months. And in like 90 minutes, I wrote out like a 16 week countdown, you know, like everything had to happen, you know, just like get it out of the brain. I think that's the hard part is, and then how do you work with a team? So I think that that's one of those other challenges, right? It's like you're, someone else has to help you actualize it when you get to a certain point. So. Absolutely.
1: Just to answer your question, I have a great uh, piece that I wrote that gets shared quite a lot. I wrote it for Entrepreneur and it's basically, uh, we can put a link in the show notes perhaps, it's uh, how hiring a VA changed my business and my life. And it it walks you through my hiring process and it even has a link to a blog post about an impact filter so you can really look at it and use it. And it, it, it talks you through sort of the tests that we get our team members to do and that sort of thing. And what I've realized is, okay, so I have to. Young children. I have a five and a half year old and I have a baby who just turned one. So I, there is mayhem. Children are wildly unprofessional, by the way. Like you can schedule whatever the heck you want, but they will just do whatever the heck they want. And I've had to make my peace with the fact, and this is about, you know, clarity and prioritization, where I've made my peace with the fact that right now I am mom first for you know, X number of years where this relationship is being built from scratch. My business will always be there. Opportunities will always be there, but my baby won't be a baby for very much longer. So I'm mindful to carve out at least, you know, three or four hours per day. And really, that's all it is. It's three or four hours per day where my phone is put away. No one's allowed to talk about work. My husband and I work together. So our five-year-old has a Nerf gun and he's allowed to shoot us if we talk about work. So nothing like an accountability partner, right? Yes, that's gun. right. So yeah, I highly suggest no this nof gun therapy because it it stings. Um, and so we're not allowed to talk about work during family time, and at least for that time, I am one hundred percent present. And it's a work in progress. I'm not perfect at it, but we're pretty good. Um, and then the other thing is, yeah, you use you you use other people's time and energy and genius to help you realize your dreams. And, and you know, the be- the deeper you step into purpose, uh, the easier that process I find becomes because the right collaborators just sort of show up in your life. And that, by the way, has everything to do with a process I called visualization, which is kind of like creative visualization, but using your whole body. So it's like a meditative state. When When I do this, success speeds up. And I think it really goes back to what we talked about before, which is the thing that you have to most focus on, if you had to do the 80-20 rule and look at the 80% that you had to focus on to get the best results, it's develop yourself. Develop your clarity, your purpose, yourself as a human being, what it is that you want to do in this world and how you can become better at it. And, and every, every single person that I can think of who is successful in the way that I define success. So people who are good human beings, who are bringing gen- genuine value to this world, who are changing people's lives, who are making lots of money and all of that, they all meditate. They all have some way to, on a daily basis, connect deeply with themselves and their purpose. If you lose this piece, it is so easy to get off track. It is so easy to have somebody else's agenda overwrite your own.
0: Yeah. 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 This
1: has been crucial to success for me.
0: Uh a book that I've mentioned before in this uh the series is Hal Elrod's um Miracle Morning.
1: Hmm. I haven't, no. I'm adding it to my list. It's
0: spun off into many different iterations. There's Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs, for um writers, which is the one that I really connected on. Um for all basically a few different professions. And he's, he's not a morning person. He wasn't, (laughs) he was not a morning person and he has a really interesting history and backstory. But, um, it's also interesting note is that it was a self published book that spawned a movement. So it's possible, like he just really had a belief in this was, was like, I'm going to still put this out in the world. So I'll put a link in that to that and your article also in the show notes. And I think any tips about how to hire like a virtual assistant or a team of virtual assistants also applies if you're working in an office. I think that the attention that a C-suite professional pays to who they hire to work with them in an office and who really backs them up, like the same level of detail and attention that you would put to that hiring would also support you in like your purpose in life. And I, I have also heard that some senior executives have caught on to having their own VA that they just pay out of their own pocket because there are certain tasks that, they really shouldn't have to do <laughs> Yeah, um, that, that require, don't require higher brain function. And there are other tasks that they need more time for. So, you know, the VA thing is not just for entrepreneurs anymore. And I think people are realizing that and that's pretty, pretty fantastic as well. So with the time we have, I, I had a question for you about, I mean, you talked a little bit already about self-care. That was one of my questions I always ask everybody, but you've already like talked about running and meditation and mindfulness. And it sounds like yes. that's been a real practice for you. It, hey, is there is there a habit though that you're struggling to really adopt or is that the the family time phone off piece for you
1: for me uh, keeping control of my schedule is a constant struggle and part of that part of that is is my you know un- unwillingness to be reasonable and i think that there's you know this can go too far also that i The struggle for me is having clarity of purpose and saying, okay, right now, what is the number one thing that would make me so deeply satisfied if I could accomplish it or if I could take a baby step towards accomplishing it? Well, that needs to be at the top of my list. So one of the things I'm really struggling and trying to do, which I've been doing relatively frequently these days, is uh, I wake up before everybody else as much as possible. Or if I don't manage to do that, because sometimes the baby wakes up, but Stupid o'clock, um, then um, <laughs> you know whenever I put her down for her morning nap, I'll try and sit down and give myself half an hour instead of just jumping into action, which is my impulse, I will sit down and take thirty minutes to plan my day and when I do that, I am so much more effective than when I don't. and I've also uh, started to get more strict about having teammates interrupt me. they're not they're just not allowed to. so now I'm just like, nope, don't talk to me put it in Asana, but you know, put a task in Asana or check in with me at noon or whatever, because going in and out of flow, it wastes so much time. So I'm trying to do, I'm trying to create flow states and, and blocks of time in my day where I'm in a flow state and no one's allowed to mess with me.
0: So now your son knows really, really good at Asana, that's what you're saying. <laughs> your five-year-old's like, that's right. uh, lunch at you noon, You got to do what please. you
1: got to do, man. Uh, <laughs> so, well, he's at school now, so yeah.
0: <laughs> I cannot wait until my kids are in school. It's going to be a long five years. <laughs> yeah. So um how, your professional network has has grown exponentially in just a few years. Um, when I saw you recently at the National Speaker Association conference, like I never saw you by yourself. You kept running into each other, <laughs> and they're <laughs> like you just know people. People want to know you. You're a lot of fun. Um, how have you really nurtured these new connections? All these professional connections, like you you meet a lot of people, right? You get a lot of business cards, a lot of LinkedIn connections, etc. Are you strategic or purposeful in how you stay in touch and nurture that?
1: Such an important question. Um, I didn't used to be. I used to not be that way. And I used to sort of just, it was something that I was, you know, just by the virtue of developing myself, you know, I have a certain level of charisma. I have—I am fun. Fun is a very front and center priority for me on a daily basis. Really, for real. I have a vision of my life that I go through when I meditate, when I visualize, and having fun and laughing every day is front and center. So, that tends to attract a lot of different types of people. And yes, there are a lot of people you know, coming into my life at any given time. It's only in this past year that I realized what an absolute gift that is. I mean, duh. So I, I know, I, I know. If you're just shaking your head, I'm like, I get you. I, I didn't see it. What, what are you going to say? I was not developed enough in my own clarity to see it, but then I did. And so, you know, Strategic Coach has you write down your focus activities. So these are activities that you're amazing at, that you love to do, and that are profitable. And connecting for me, is a focus activity. And it doesn't mean that I'm connecting with you just so that you you hire me to do something or you buy my program or whatever. I don't care, but I leave the house. See, I leave the house to the universe. What comes out of it is none of my business. My business is showing up and doing the call. So I literally have an hour every day for a connection, one or two connection calls every single day it's my favorite thing to do i also balance it with i combine it with exercise so i i call them walk and talk so it's like it's you'll see that code in my calendar it's like walk and talk wnt and it's basically i will make a phone call while i'm out walking so i get an hour of walking in the middle of my day just to keep my energy up i find i think better on the go if it's crappy outside which montreal half the year can be um i will paste around on my living room like a mad animal Uh, And I will get my 10,000 steps in every single day. And this is in addition to any workout or running or anything else I do. So it allows me to keep movement as part of my day, because the more I move, the better I think, the more more I'm in flow. And then when I'm walking, I've noticed that when I tell people this, I always let them know, I'll be like, hey, by the way, I'll be out walking. Is that okay? You, you might hear some traffic noise. You might hear a train here or there. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. And it has become something that people, other people have given themselves permission to do. Nice. So it's kind of fun. We started off, ha ha, movement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Movement.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, is this a short list of people that you're you're intentionally staying in touch with, or is it um, after you see someone at a conference? Like, who do you decide to reach out to? And I love that you're you're um, <laughs> you're so analog in a way, um, <laughs> because I I think the phone is is an underutilized uh, piece of our device that we carry on our pocket. We forget that it makes calls. Um, so. Are you scheduling these in advance, or, or yes. you are scheduling them? Okay. I do.
1: I have an actual calendar with my calendar booking app that has these blocks of time, you know, out there, so that I can send somebody a link, be like, "Oh my god, we need to talk." Um, and uh, you know, you're asking, you know, who who I follow up with and who I do. A lot of this has to do with energy. I'm going to reach out to the people that I. Thought were really fun, people that I would want to have in my life, uh, people that I think I can help. And, you know, this is something I learned from a mentor of mine. Uh, his name is Frank Shamrock. He is the undefeated mixed martial arts champion. This man can kill you before you even say hello. Like, he's amazing, but he's the most relaxed, fun joyous human being. It's just, I don't understand how those two things coexist in the same body, but they do. And he has this beautiful system that he introduced me to lately, which is, he calls it plus equal minus. So basically in anything that you're trying to do, whether it's in life or in business, you will seek out a plus. A plus is a mentor, somebody who has already accomplished a version of what you're trying to do, somebody who knows the ropes, who would be willing to share. So that's your plus. You seek out an equal, somebody who's your compatriot. It could be a collaborator. It could be a competitor, whatever the deal is. And you share ideas and you come up with ways. You know, just it's it's, it's a way to suss out the market and the marketplace as well. And then there's a minus. In order to keep the flow of energy going and the flow of giving and abundance going, you must also then find a deliberate way to pass on what you learn. So you seek out somebody who can benefit from your mentorship. Isn't it beautiful? That's so it's simple. so simple. It's just so elegant.
0: Such an easy way to have clarity to like how to balance all of those things. I love that.
1: Yeah. So I try to have a balance of plus, equals, and minuses in my
0: week. That's awesome. Hey, yeah. Gita, we're coming to the end of this and I'm I want to make sure people know how to find you and yes. follow your work. And before we get to that last particular question, if we met a year from now. Mm which I really hope we keep crossing paths. Yes. Not just virtually, but in person. Yes. I want to know if we were getting together and celebrating your successes for the past year, what Mm. would we be celebrating?
1: We would be celebrating the successful launch of Possibility, or I I can't decide if it's going to be called Possibility. That's T-E-E, which is the name of the company that I'm in the process of founding, or it, it's going to be youarepossible.com. So you got to keep an eye out for either of, either of those two. We're going to be celebrating the fact that this company is it has just freaking taken off. There is a movement. The people who are part of this movement are called the Possibility Team. It's going to be a global movement of people who are positive and banded together, committed to doing great things and helping each other in that plus-minus-equal way. Yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to have such a laugh.
0: That's awesome. It's going
1: to be like, oh my god, I did it! Like we did it because <laughs> yeah. it's not me. That's that's right. a beautiful thing about we. this project. More than any other project I've ever worked on in my life, this is a we project. I'm such a tiny part of it. I'm just the instigator. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's a beautiful thing.
0: Well, every every fire needs a catalyst. So you've. Uh... You've shown that, yourself to be that. That's so, my job. So, Geeta, how do people find you and follow your work? So, there's
1: a couple of different ways. I'm all over social, so you can find me on Instagram. I'm Baby Got Booked. Um, I also am at Be More Possible. So, if you want my sort of daily wisdom, this sounds so pretentious, but you know, just silly stuff that I do to make to to develop myself as a human being. And if you want sort of insight into how I do that, um, and also some really cute baby pictures, uh, then you can check me out on at Be More Possible. This is on Instagram. Go to babygotbooked.com. That's babygotbooked.com. We have a five-day challenge that's 100% free. So it basically walks you through figuring out, well, what is the real opportunity that the media represents for you that goes way beyond exposure and credibility? This is not just about getting in front of more people. This is about way more than that, how I've used it to land sponsorships and mentorships and all kinds of other things. All the way through, well, what you put in your actual pitch because you don't want to be writing a press release. So I tell you exactly why you shouldn't be doing that and what to do instead, where to find the journalists. I give you a hack. It's a free tool that you can use to find just about any journalist or influencer's email address. Um, you know, how to build credibility so that they pick you and then a system to pull it all together. It's 100% free. It's on babygodbooked.com. Um, you can find the five-day challenge. There's a bunch of free resources there. I'm also at gitanatgarney.com. So if you're looking to hire me as a speaker or if you want to just get in touch, then that would be a great place. No, it's like not Garni rhymes with nothing, right? So it's like maybe our book is easier to remember, but I'm also at gitanatgarney.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Yeah. I'm really easy to find and I'm kind of easy to reach out to. So yeah, we'll put lots yeah. of
0: links to That'd all those awesome. ways to find you in the show notes. Gita, it's been fabulous talking to you.
1: Robbie, you're the best.
0: I hope you enjoyed that interview with Gita Nakardi. such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 64. That's also where you'll find all the links from today's episode. Now, since you've been listening to my show, you know that building connections is critical for the success of your business or career. Is this something you want to get better at? Do you want to turn that stack of business cards you've been collecting into cash, clients, and credibility? Create a strategic networking plan so you know where to put your limited time and energy. Then, make sure you also create a system for following up and staying connected. You never know, you might see someone as amazing as Michelle Obama speak. Let me help you stop wasting time networking and start building great relationships. Read my best-selling business book, Croissants Versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences. Remember, if you purchase it at Robbiesamuels.com forward slash bookstore, you'll receive all the book's bonuses, including the free audiobook. Would you rather one-on-one coaching email me at robbie at com. That's R-O-B-B-I-E at R-O-B-B-I-E-S-A-M-U-E-L-S.com. And we'll set up a time to chat about personalizing a strategic networking plan for you and a system for tracking your most important connections. If you enjoyed this episode with Gita, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on iTunes. It's easy to find our iTunes page at com. That's S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. Thank you in advance. I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and of course, how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E.